Some watches are way more accurate than others, and that's why this watch came up to 25.8 miles when I ran 26.2 in an actual measured marathon. Welcome to the Renpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sierra Carter, and today we are going to focus on ways to help you run your life instead of letting life run you. Seems to happen a lot nowadays, but today we are going to focus on something that I have actually been testing for a while, and I'm extremely excited to share my findings with you because it's a question I get a lot. I actually get this in my inbox a lot, and I have a definite answer for you at the end. So today's episode's number 42, who will win this race, Apple Watch or Garmin? So today's sponsor is Anchor, and if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's super simple, how I love it. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple, Spotify, and whatever other podcast channel you like to listen to podcasts on. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And you guys, it's pretty much everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast soon, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I promise you won't regret it. Okay, you guys, so I'm super excited about today's topic, and that's just not because it's Friday. Fridays are always exciting, but it's because it's something that I, I've i been testing, I've been watching, and I have actually gotten extremely frustrated about, and it's stupid. It's such a dumb thing to be frustrated and like befuzzled about for days on end just because you can't figure out why. And in the end, I've kind of realized, you know, unless I know the technology and unless I know the configuration and the different coding that is are in these little devices, I'm never going to really understand it. And that's that's okay because I don't know that stuff. I just use that stuff. And there's part of me that's like, yeah, you could definitely figure out these things, but I don't want to. So on the outside, I'm just going to test them for my own use. I'm going to tell you straight up how they are because I know there's a lot of people out there for monetary monetary reasons who have pushed the one device that makes me angry. So we're going to talk about Apple Watches versus Garmin's and which one is more accurate for running and tracking your route. Because if you're anyone, anything like me, you want to know how far you've gone how far, you know, how many miles to the point, to the time, to the pace, everything. You need to analyze it. And if it's not, if it's not accurate, it screws you up in a race. It screwed me up pretty hard when I was trying to qualify for Boston. So you can see why I feel a little bit passionate about this. And this topic has been something I've been talking about for maybe a year and a half now. So let's start talking about it. 
I'm going to start with the origins of the Apple Watch. And I'm going to pretty much highlight why one of these may not work as accurately as the other, even though a lot of people buy it for that reason. Alright, so the Apple, Wa Apple Watch was introduced in 2014. Now, the Garmin, on the other hand, was one of the first watches in 2020. It wasn't even a 20. This is how crazy it is. 2003. The name was patented in 2001, but a watch did not arise until 2003. So, going back to the Apple Watch. So, the Apple Watch, there's so many different series, and we all know it. You know, first one launched in, I think it was like April of 2015, and now we've gotten one per year since we were up to Series 5. Do they really do a lot of things differently? Eh, kind of. From the very first one, yes, but after you got to 3, 4, and 5, eh, not really. But I think there even might be a Series 6, maybe. Maybe it's on the way. I'm not quite sure at this point because I've lost track of all these watches and all these iPhones. But there are different series. And it wasn't until maybe a few couple updates ago that they didn't update the GPS system. So I'm gonna, when I'm talking about the Apple Watch, I'm talking about the Series 3 because that's the one I have. I have not tried the Series 4 or the 5. I will make that a disclaimer, but I know a lot of people who do have the Series 3. It works just as well as the Series 5. I mean, I'm not, not GPS wise, but in functionality, so a lot of people do still have the Series 3. So the main watch, main uses of the Apple Watch are, were supposed to be in conjunction with the uses of the iPhone. Keep this in mind when we talk about the Garmin. So the, the uses of the iPhone, what are they? Texting and calling people, getting notifications, getting notifications from Facebook, getting notifications from Instagram, getting calls, making sure you never miss a call or a text again in your life. So when you tell somebody, hey, I didn't see you called, they know you are flat out lying because you have an Apple Watch on. That's pretty much the main uses of the Apple Watch. Now, on the other hand, you do know that there's an activity app. It can track, you know, strength training. You can key that in. It can track when you do yoga. It can track when you work out. It can track when you run. It can track when you cycle. It can track pretty much anything. And some of these Apple Watches are waterproof where they can track your swimming too. I haven't gone that far because I'm not, I'm one of those people, I don't completely trust it in a pool. Who knows? You never know. But you know what? Maybe it does. Maybe that's my next thing. When I know I'm going to get a, a new watch, maybe I'll go try it and lap it in the pool. We'll see. I'm not there yet. But we're talking about running in this instance. So it's pretty much, it was quote unquote made to make interaction for people with their phones more human-like. It was not made for athletes. So let's jump over to Garmin's. So Garmin, like I said, the first watch was in 2003, and their forerunner has many, 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 many different forms. I am not even going to read off all the different types of forerunners they have come out with since 2003. Actually, 2007. So the first forerunner was in 2007. And get this, you guys. It came with a little foot pod. So you had to strap it onto your shoelaces and it would measure your displacement and your steps. How weird is that? That was in 2007. That was only 13 years ago. That wasn't that long ago. How crazy is that? That's crazy to me. Because I remember 2007. I was nine. I know I was nine, but I, I remember 2007. So I can't even imagine people that remember 2007 because they were 22. Crazy. Crazy. 
Anyways, the target audience. This is what I want to point out for the Garmin. So if you ever ask me the question again, which one do you think is better for runners? I'm always going to say the Garmin because their target audience was for road runners, which is runners that run outside, guys. Road runners are not like the bird. It's not weirdos that run the road. It's not people that run the highway and they look like Forrest Gump. It's for people who run outside and triathletes. Again, this is people who bike or cycle. They swim and they run or, you know, whatever other sport we want to throw in there. And the main uses were to accurately measure distance, speed, heart rate, time, altitude, and pace with a strong GPS function. That has that does not sound anything like the main uses of the Apple Watch, which were pretty much to make human connection more human-like so you can constantly get your phone calls, your text messages, and never have an excuse not to respond to somebody. The Garmin actually wanted to measure stuff for athletes. That was their main function. So, moving on from there. Now you have the back, the highlights. You have the background. And you can kind of see where I'm going with this. And where my loyalty lies when it comes to tracking my runs. And if you haven't yet, let me explain. So, this is my honest opinion after using both on a run and I'm going to give you the first story of what tipped me off and made me actually go out and buy a Garmin because I was so frustrated so the first time that I was going to run the Boston uh, not Boston Marathon I wish I could run the Boston Marathon that's not until September maybe next April who even knows at this point but the first time I went to qualify for the Boston Marathon I ran, one, I trained everything with my Apple Watch because I was like, oh, well, Apple Watches are just as good as Garmin's. So if you're telling me you don't know anybody that thinks that out there, they're out there, I promise you, I still know people that think the Apple Watch is better than a Garmin and more accurate. But, so I ran the marathon with my Apple Watch and I trained the entire time with my Apple Watch. Okay, so here we go. When I got to that finish line, at that race, one, I didn't make it, but two, I was almost an entire half mile off. I came up to 25.75 miles. That was the total distance on my Apple Watch. When I crossed the finish line of a 26.2 mile race. This was a certified race, you guys. It was a Boston qualifying race. They're not going to shorten me a half a mile. That's not, they wouldn't do that. They're not that nice. I knew my Apple Watch was so completely off by mile, I think it was like seven. Because like mile seven, I had reached mile seven mile marker and I was only at like 6.8 on my watch. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Because then my pace is gone. I don't know what my actual pace is. I don't really have a lot of accurate readings on my watch, and I don't know the actual time that I'm really going at. Well, I mean, you can if you made sure you started your watch at the same time that you started the race, you could see that, but you don't know your pace, and you're off, and mentally, you're, I'm falling apart, because I need those numbers. Those are my target numbers when I'm in a race. You guys know what I'm talking about during this. So, I kind of started falling apart, 
and that race was just not my best race, but I learned a lot, and I did qualify in the next race, so I'm not going to be a crybaby in this, but that race did make me go out and go buy a Garmin, and I didn't buy one of those fancy Garmins where it has cellular and internet and you can like map out your rate run rate or run or whatever. I don't, I didn't buy one of those. I bought a Garmin Forerunner 235, I think it is. It still has the buttons. It's not a touch screen and it's perfect. It's perfect for what I need it for. I just need to hit that start button. I need to run and then I hit, have to hit the start, start, stop button. Same as the start button, just to pause it or to end it. It's so stupid simple. I love it. It's not even like the Apple Watch where if you're sweaty, you can't stop it, but maybe it stops while you're running and it tries to be all fancy. No, this Garmin is absolutely perfect, and I think it was the 2015 model. So it's like five years old and it's still working. The battery lasts forever. I am extremely happy with it. So I started testing out the Apple Watch versus the Garmin, and I've done this so many multiple times, and Honestly, the three main distances that I run are three miles, five miles, and seven miles when I'm not training for a marathon. These are my kind of my just go-to mileage, I guess, mileage runs just because the destinations, I know these destinations, I like to go to these destinations, and it just so happens to be a five, seven, or three-mile run. And that's just when I'm not thinking about it. So I have tested this and mapped it out several hundred times just to see what the Apple Watch would be versus the Garmin. And let me tell you, if you're running three miles, the Garmin will say three miles. Same with Google. Disclaimer, I have entered all of my routes into Google and it comes out the same as the Garmin. The Apple Watch, on the other hand, came out to 2.98 miles. Okay, point Oh, two off, not too much. But when we go up to five miles, look at this. Five miles on the Garmin equals 4.96 miles on the Apple Watch. And if we go up a little bit more to seven miles on the Garmin, it's seven miles on the Garmin and 6.89 miles on the Apple Watch. To me, that's a huge difference. And if I were to look at the Apple Watch and see it stop at 6.89, I'd lose my, like, I would just go insane. No, 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 no. I ran seven miles today. I did not run 6.89 miles. Where did my other .11 go? I don't know. I still ran it, but nope, you, you only ran six miles in my head if I saw 6.89. Only six miles today because I didn't get that .11 in. This drove me nuts absolutely nuts. So I was like, well, technically for that first marathon, I was overtraining because if I was running 22 miles on my Garmin, I was pretty much running like 22 and a half miles. That's a big deal. A half mile, if you're not a runner, a half mile is a huge deal. So if you're thinking about getting into running and data and looking at your stats and stuff actually makes a huge difference for you, Go with the Garmin, you guys. And I'm not saying I don't have a plug-in for Garmin. I don't have a thing against Apple Watches. I wear my Apple Watch every single day when I'm not running. I wear it when I work out, when I do yoga, when I do everything else. But when I run, I'm wearing my Garmin because I want accuracy. I don't want fashion. I just want accuracy. Now, the Garmins do look pretty nice. I'm not, I'm not docking them in any way. But I want 
accurate readings of my times, of my pace, heart rate. I personally don't care about. I know a lot of people who train by their heart rate. I don't do it. I, I honestly tried, but I have a low resting heart rate. So to me, everything just kind of whatever I'm every guideline I could adjust the guidelines but every guideline to me is just doesn't even count so I personally don't run with my heart rate but when it comes to my pace when it comes to my time and when it comes to what other things do I really look at honestly my pace and my time are my biggest ones and accurate distance readings please I don't want to be running 200 miles weeks when I should be running like 150 mile week I don't run that type of week. I only go up to about 50, maybe 60 miles a week at the peak of marathon training. But for some of you, it does make a ginormous difference. So get yourself an accurate Garmin watch if you are looking to get into running or even walking or maybe something more physical than just working out at the gym. Now, of course, Garmin doesn't really have one of those workout at the gym settings. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm completely missing it. But if that's what you like to do or you like to dance or, you know, elliptical or whatever, Apple Watch is going to be fantastic for you. But runners, get yourself a Garmin. I don't care which one. Just get yourself a Garmin. They are all pretty extremely accurate. Much more accurate than the Apple Watch. Now, again, like I said, I did the Series 3 Apple Watch. I do not have the Series 4 and neither do I have the Series 5. I did hear that they updated the GPS but what, what I've heard from other people as well, it's still not as good for running. So just go get yourself a nice Garmin watch. Invest in yourself. Invest in your running. And I promise you will always run your life when you have an accurate reading of what you're doing. Okay, you guys. So we are moving on to the next segment. And it is Friday. So it's time for for Friday Fun Day. And that means I've got a good, awesome weekend tip for you. Something that took me years to listen to. So maybe you'll take it to heart or maybe you'll just blow this information off. Either way, it's for your benefit. And I wish I I listened sooner to this. Because now I'm kind of a little worried about my own skin. And that is today's weekend tip is sunscreen. No matter where you are in the country right now, it's getting warmer. The sun's coming out. It's actually showing that, you know, the sun's rays. I live in Florida. The sun's out year round. So this is even more important for people who live in a place that the sun's out year round. Maybe if you live up north or out in the west, it gets cold and cloudy and snowy in the wintertime. And the sun's rays are not as strong. But in Florida, you need sunscreen year round. So that's why it is now an extremely important subject for me because I ignored it the past, well, how many years have I lived here? I've lived here almost six. So I've ignored it for about five years. And now I'm starting to see, you know, my little bit of sun damage on my arms. I'm getting a little tan and it kind of freaks me out because I, I like to be tan, but I don't want gross skin because you know those people I am talking about They sit outside on the beach and they look like leather. That is not what I want. So lately I have, one, been using visors. I actually put on hats. I have the cute little sun hats everywhere I go. I have makeup that has sunscreen in it. So I put that on every time I leave the house, especially after I get a facial. 
that's extremely important. I don't can't rem really remember the reasons that they tell me. I just know I should put on sunscreen the day after I get a facial or wear any type of face mask. And I've also been putting on sunscreen my entire body every time I go to the beach and sitting under my umbrella. So I'm barely touching the sun. And for those of you who say, oh, wow, Sierra, you're looking extremely tan. Yeah, this tan's actually coming from just walking to the car. And that should show you how extremely important it is to be putting on sunscreen when you're out and about in Florida. So I want to go over sunscreen because there's a lot of, oh, you shouldn't be wearing sunscreen. It's actually worse for you than it is. And there's, you know, reports of it causing cancer. And honestly, either way, come on, you guys. It sounds like just about everything's going to give us cancer nowadays. But you have to pick your poison. So I'm a true believer that you should get some sun without any sunscreen because vitamin D is extremely important. And if we have not read all the reports, it's even extremely important for cutting down on the rates of COVID and coronavirus. So get your vitamin D. And I think the experts, a lot of them say, you know, 20 minutes in the sun is perfectly fine for the right amount of vitamin D without sunscreen. Now, anything over 20 minutes rule of thumb, you should probably be using sunscreen. Now, for those of you who are terrified that sunscreen might cause cancer, there's a lot of studies saying if you get paraben-free, which also you, this goes for paraben-free lotions, paraben-free shampoos, I think it's SLS-free toothpaste, that's what you should be looking for. And that reduces the chemicals. And just because it doesn't have these harsh chemicals in it does not make it any less protecting against the sun. So paraben-free sunscreen actually does work wonders. And it's taken me a long time to find a paraben-free sunscreen. Right now, I'm using one from Trader Joe's. I It was gifted to me, so I don't really know what it's called. It's not in front of me at the moment, but it comes in an orange bottle. I like it, but it's greasy. That was another reason I never wore sunscreen because it's so greasy. And I'm kind of excited because I recently just ordered... It's called Hint Sunscreen. It apparently smells like pineapples or grapefruit. You pick which one you want it to smell like. And it's non-greasy and it's a spray-on and it works amazing and it's paraben-free. So I'm really, really hoping that this sunscreen is going to be perfect. And I know we're having a huge conversation about sunscreen, which sounds super boring, but it's so important for you. So get pumped because they have so many awesome kinds of products out there that when you order them, you're excited. It's called adulting. We got this. So I know for one, what I go for in a sunscreen is one paraben free. And parabens, if I haven't said this word enough, are little chemicals that disrupt your ho hormones. Now, the FDC, mm, I almost said FDIC, that's not what I'm looking for. Or no, FDA actually regulates how many, the amount of parabens that can be in each product. Okay, cool, fine. You've got the right amount of parabens in each product, but if you're constantly using products that have parabens in it, you're overloading your body with these things. And the more you use, they're actually hormone disruptors. And women, listen to this. They're not, there's not a whole lot of studies, but they're linking it to reproductive problems, all these parabens. So start cutting down on the parabens, start cutting down on your lotions, your shampoos, your conditioners, your sunscreen, just go paraben free. It's a little bit more expensive, but I always think, you know what, 
it's a price that I'm willing to pay if it's going to keep me healthy in the long run. I'm just praying that they're right about this. So, also, I, when I did this, I had to start researching the sunscreen. So, there's two types. There's chemical sunscreens, and they have, like, these oxyozone chemicals in it, which a lot of places actually ban because it hurts marine life. So, I wouldn't recommend those. But there's also physical sunscreen, which is, like, zinc oxide and titanium dioxide or used together. And these actually cast, they make a layer on your skin where it scatters the sun rays, but it does leave your skin more white. So you kind of do want to find a balance. You might not want that greasy, white, oily skin, but on the other hand, you don't want something that's poisoning you. But I personally, I like zinc. Of course, zinc is, you know, one of those like old time, like this is going to keep you from burning. I'll go for zinc. And also a big thing that I look for in a sunscreen is SPF 30 or above. Now, if you saw my story the other day, I do have some sunscreen that is for SPF, which is pretty laughable because I that doesn't do anything. I might as well not put anything on and just let my skin burn at that point. But sometimes I use it just for lotion and because it smells like coconuts. So find yourself, ex- don't be afraid to experiment with a bunch of different sunscreens because nowadays we do have that, you know, 30-day guarantee Just be on top of it. If you don't like it, send it back. Don't wait for like 31 days and then argue with them thinking, well, I didn't like it 40 days ago and now you won't get me my money back. Just be on top of it. Try things out and find something you like. Again, I, you guys can look this up. It's called Hint, H-I-N-T. Comes in a bottle. It's on Amazon. I think it was like $14 on Amazon, which sounds like a lot. But in all honesty, again, it's a small price that I'm totally willing to pay if I find something I like. And I'm going to use and it's going to help my skin the long in the long run. So experiment. Find something you like. Find something that's in your price range. Not too pricey. And that works for you. And use it. You want your skin to be glorious going into the future. Because it's the only skin we've got. Alright guys. So that's all I've got for you today on today's podcast. If you liked and enjoyed it, found it helpful, share with a friend and please like and subscribe to wherever you listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you are. And please leave a review. Review will help us build this podcast to bring you more content and more opportunities to be on it. And while you're at it, please head over to my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter page at The Runpreneur. Give that a like as well, and you can also request more content, what you want to hear, and what kind of topics you want to cover on this podcast. In a few weeks, I'm going to start choosing people who have left a review and giving them free training sessions through Zoom, on live sessions, however they feel comfortable in these times. So you guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, run your life. Don't let life run.